Welcome to Your Money with DeWitt Capital Management, a show about investing, the markets, life, and everything in between. David DeWitt Jr. and Sr. and Scott Frank will share what they've been reading and listening to and what the trends are in the market. All opinions expressed in the show are solely the opinions of Dave, Dave, and Scott or any guest on the show and do not reflect the opinions of DeWitt Capital Management. All content within the podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decision making. We keep getting asked, so we just keep talking about it, um, bubble or no bubble. And, you know, we don't know the answer, but we do like to listen to what other people are saying. Um, Kathy Wood argument is that we're not in a bubble. Um, read an article and I also watched a really interesting, a really good um, interview from Yahoo Finance with her. Um, her reasons for no bubble are similar to Tom Lee of Fundstrat, who we've mentioned a few times, the eternal optimist. But essentially it's that since 2018, there have been outflows of roughly 300 billion from equities, uh, ETFs and mutual funds, um, excluding share repurchases. Um, in that the fund flows have actually been going into bonds. So she thinks, so she's happy that others think we're in a bubble. Um, there's been a lot of alarmist uh, articles and talk, um, whether it's alarmist or just people that are trying to, you know, maybe create some anxiety so that they move into their more defensive funds. Who knows? You know, this all happens. Um, but she thinks that she's happy others think we're in a bubble because that helps create potential volatility and more buying opportunities for her and what she's trying to do. So she thinks the seeds for what is going on now in terms of her strategy, which is investing in innovation, um, she, so when people compare 2000 dot-com bubble to today, she says that's different because she thinks the seeds for now were planted in the dot-com bust. Um, she, she, so she believes we are now in the prime time. We have just begun. Um, and that there's going to be a lot of disruption of, and destruction of, you know, old world companies. Um, she does warn uh, to be extremely suspicious of high dividend yields. I have to agree with her on this one um, because high dividend yields in this very low rate environment really shows you that people are putting capital where they see growth and where they see opportunity and a high dividend yield. Uh, in this environment, basically, in my mind, in her mind, means that there is something fundamentally, inherently, structurally um, miss or you know off about a company that's get, that's offering an investor a high yield um, in today's environment is something to be very wary of. Remember, if you're looking at a stock that has like a 5% yield and you say, well, that's great. Um, you know, that's 5% for the year of holding that stock. If the stock goes down 10%, then you're minus 5%. Um, typically stocks with high dividend yields are very volatile and they can go down 5, 10, 15, 20, 30% very fast. And then your yield is not doing a whole lot for you at that point. Um, she also says, this is Kathy Wood again, of course, um, beware of price to book because the book may disappear. So essentially what she's saying is that looking at valuation metrics of book value like as reported value of assets, just be wary of that because it takes a few years of write, asset write downs to make that book keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. 
So until Kathy sees a, the relationship between bond flows and equity flows flip, she thinks we're not really in a bubble. She thinks that this is the runaway innovation trade that uh, has been seeded since the dot-com bust. So uh, she she does think it's interesting when, when asked about GameStop and what's going on there. She basically thinks that it's the GameStop volatility is actually contributing to the bond bubble because she mentions how like AMC bonds went from like 25 cents to 75 cents on the dollar. Um, They're able to do financing. Um, so she thinks the bondholders are getting bailed out. But uh, so this is all good stuff. Um, another really interesting point she makes, and this is something that we've been talking about, is that you know, she thinks that the move over the last 20 years towards passive investing uh, is setting is, is now set up for disappointing returns in the future. Um, she thinks that passive funds are cheap for a reason because they're the most simple way of investing. There's no, you know, there's there's no choosing what's going to work, what's not going to work. It's just it's simply investing in an index based on market cap, meaning that you're bidding up things that are big constantly with new flows um and big is big good is big big for a reason you know that sort of those sort of question marks come up we've talked about how if everything was passive like there'd be chaos right that's what uh, uh bogle would always say because if everything was passive then you're tr- then then the valuation that you are attributing to every company public company is based purely then their their forward um, on market cap and uh, and so that's just the way it goes so you need you know the market is free you're supposed to have things that go you're supposed to have valuations that are all over the place based on you know people's perception of companies and investors perceptions of of the future of different companies and, and whatnot so so Kathy Wood doesn't think we're in a bubble and she does acknowledge that there's likely going to be corrections here and there. You know, she says that's just the way of the market. But she also does compare some of the high valuations, which she seems to acknowledge. Um, she thinks that it's just the market is seeing the innovation. There's the market is seeing the huge opportunity for companies like Tesla, Square, and Roku, and that the valuations are high. But that just like how Amazon. Um, grew into its valuation without ever really having a significant, you know, huge, you know, you know, collapse. Um, she thinks that the same thing for these companies because their their opportunity is so large and they are going to be the winner take mosts of their uh, respective in- industries. Continuing on with Kathy, you know, we know she's a big uh, believer in Bitcoin, and Bitcoin is man, you got big name people on all sides of this issue. Um, I was just reading Peter Schiff saying it's just complete greater, it's just pure greater fool theory where, you know, as long as there's someone more foolish than you willing to pay more than you, then it keeps going and going and going like a huge Ponzi, huge Ponzi scheme. Um, I mean, Kathy uh, has totally different take on this. And in January, um, she said that more companies would be investing in Bitcoin as their own hedge. And now we've seen Square. We've seen Square do it. I think they have one percent of their assets uh, in there. We just saw uh, Tesla, of course, put a, a one and a half billion 
just and and you know basically in reserve in Bitcoin. Um, so there's validation going all over the place, um, and I don't really have a view myself on this, but it's very fun to listen to and see what people are talking about. Um, but I thought, and I didn't realize this, but Mass Mutual, obviously insurance company, investments company, very conservative, very highly regulated. They put a hundred million of Bitcoin into its general account, so like, you know, like its corporate account essentially, if I'm not mistaken. And there's another seal of approval. Um, we are seeing uh, brokers wanting to be able to custody Bitcoin, um, so it seems like it's getting ready for institutional. Um, and then some interesting things to think about with Bitcoin that uh, Kathy, again, this is all, I'm sort of just paraphrasing some of the stuff I've heard from her over the past week or two. Um, you know, when you think of Bitcoin as the total market value of Bitcoin being 700 billion, I mean, that's less than half of Apple or Amazon. Um, and she says that's a massively bigger idea than that. So if you can get behind that, then perhaps there's a space for it in a portfolio. I think if you look back through it, through its shorter but history, and there, it is extremely low correlation to the market overall. Um, I know we talked a f- you know a bunch of weeks ago about how recently it's been more correlated to the market, and there's been times where it was really not correlated. But I think uh, big picture, it's it can be a pretty good diversifier. I'm proud to say that I knew something that Kathy didn't know. So uh, one of the things that I did find interesting, I didn't know that a stock could be, or that 140% of the float of a stock could be short. That was a surprise to me. So shorting, um, you can have more than 100% of a stock, stocks float short because let's say that I own 100 shares of GameStop, right? So I own 100 shares of the total float and someone else out there, let's call him John Doe, he wants to short GameStop. So he borrows my shares, my 100 shares, and he shorts them. And when he shorts them, he is selling the shares that I own to someone else. So that brings in a third person. So that brings in two people that lay claim to the same shares. So if me and so let's say that John Doe sold his shares to Billy Bob, then Billy Bob, in essence, owns the same shares that I do. So that effectively increases the amount of shares outstanding, effectively, not truly, but effectively. So that means that you can have more short than actual shares exist. And when that happens, which isn't that often, but when it does happen, and then you have you know a big group of people on Reddit uh, who decide to go after that stock. Well, you can see that you can create a lot of panic buying from a lot of shorts, and you can see some pretty insane market moves, which we have seen over the past month. So yes, you can have over 100% short, and that's how it happens. You know, I know we've mentioned Kathy Wood a lot, and you know, she's she's a hot topic, and I've also mentioned Jeremy Grantham. This I watched a 30-minute interview of him and a 30-minute interview of Kathy around the same time period, and they are just completely opposite views of the world. And you have to keep in mind that Jeremy, um, you know, he's saying that we're in a bona fide bubble. He's been saying that for six months. Uh, he's will, you know, when he's right, if he's right, then he will have been right. And remember, Jeremy is a, 
uh, a value investor. So he's always going to be, you know, talking up value and he, you know, he'll be more inclined to think we're in a bubble because he wants investors to be putting their money where he wants it to go, which is into his funds. So remember, people are always talking their book. We've talked about this before. So you have to get perspectives from all over the place. Um, don't, you know, people that are trying to sell you a product in a certain asset class or a certain sector or um, a certain strategy, you know, they're going to, they're going to have their, they're going to have their views shaped uh, to benefit them. Now, same goes for Kathy, you know, she's full blown innovation is the way to go. It's going to go up, you know, their, their investment strategy is to basically double their double money every five years. You know, she's, she's of course going to say that we're not in a bubble. So it, it benefits her to have that attitude. Well, I mean, if Kathy Wood was sitting there saying, you know, I think we're in a bubble then, you know, this massive momentum she's been on, she's been having would slow down. There's no doubt about it. If she were, if she were to say that, so always keep that in mind when we talk about this kind of stuff. Um, and that reminds me again. I read an article from Peter Schiff. You know, he's saying um, that Bitcoin's a huge bubble. It's going to collapse, and then everything is going to go back to gold. Well, he's a huge gold investor, so again, he's just talking his book. That's what happens. I was just talking about Kathy saying that until we see, you know, huge inflows into stocks and less into bonds, then maybe she'll start to entertain the idea that there could be some bubbles going on. Well, and in the week, well, last week, there was a ton of flows into equities. So it's something to keep in mind now. Um, we're talking $58.1 billion flowing into global equities uh, last week, um, $13 billion into bond funds, um, that was the second biggest week. Um, it was the second biggest week of inflows to large caps in history of $25.1 billion, um, while small caps saw their third biggest week ever with $5.6 billion coming in. Um, B of A, uh, in response to this, noted that um, um, policy stimulus continues to flow to Wall Street assets and not Main Street, and it's continuing to incite historic wealth inequality versus asset uh, via asset bubbles. Um, so also the tech sector had 5.4 billion moving into funds, and um, in just and now back to Ark and Kathy um, in just 2021, this year 17 billion of inflows. That's just this year that's more than any etf for 2021 except for the vanguard s p 500 etf which is ticker voo that's according to barons so so 17 of their 27 total 17 billion of their 27 billion total aum assets assets under management came has come in 2021 it feels funny saying that because it feels like it's fake news, but here we are. Um, really interesting piece from Data Trek Research. So the Data Trek Research team looked at when the term buy stocks appeared in English language books, newspapers, and periodicals from 1900 to 2019. Um, the two peaks of uh, these occurring, and uh, the two peaks were 1930 and 2001, just after major historical tops in the stock market. 
Um, it also tracked stock market bubble and stock bubble, which spiked well after bubbles had popped. For the present, you know, this is what this is what's important. They switched to Google Trends um, from 2005. Uh, the March 2020 peak is five times higher than the peak in October 2008, with data projecting a new high this month. Of so that's for buy stocks um, being being searched for. Um, but DataTrek notes that bubbles are about the rate of change of prices and not absolute prices. So what they're saying there is that bubbles are um, formed very quickly. Typically, you know, it's usually always at the very, everything seems like that valuations seem really high, but then there's like that last blow off top, they call it. You know, the last the month where things just go in a straight line and everyone starts to be, realize that this is just ridiculous. Um, so what they say about this is that um, that currently there isn't the there isn't the spike that's been seen in those other bubbles. They say we certainly have the necessary preconditions to create a U.S. stock market bubble in terms of social attention on equities, but we have not yet had the sort of valuation run up that says it's time to sell. So this is very interesting. It's a different way of looking at um, the different way of trying to evaluate you know, where we are in the market. What's most interesting to me about this is that the data from 1900 from to 2019, um, so the, for the two peaks where buy stocks appeared in 1930 and 2001, it occurred after the bubbles had popped, and now we've had two spikes. Um, we've had the spike in March, and that was also, um, I'm assuming, uh, either after or, coinc- or coincidental with the market, the you know the market uh, falling due to COVID. Um, so it seems to be the other side, right? Uh, if there's now a bubble, then these spikes have been going on before and not after, so it's a switch. So, so Data Trek also said in a Business Insider piece recently that um, that the stock market is not yet in a bubble, but a baby bubble might be forming. They say that. In order for a bubble to even form in the stock market, there's two necessary conditions, fast rising valuations and retail investor fervor. And um, DataTrek co-founder Nicholas Kolas says, we don't have the first, so we don't have the fast rising valuations, and the second is just starting with the retail investment fervor. Now, it's been, it's the retail investment fervor has been going on for most of 2020, but um, in terms of big picture, it might have to happen for a little bit longer. Um, they say, based on the Schiller P.E. ratio, the bubbles of 1929 and 2000 were evident when a sharp move higher in valuations occurred. It's about the rate of change, like we just said, not the absolute valuation levels. So, again, we may not have had, according to DataTrek, the necessary sharp increase. So that's all we got for today. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you want a question highlighted on the show or have any comments or feedback, shoot us an email at yourmoneydoit at gmail.com. See you on the next one.